if you're in the shop working on something, instead of turning on music and instead of turning on the radio, stream all of these podcasts. Start with the, the Jeep Talk Show. Listen to every single one, uh, which will take you a year anyway. <laughs> and then... You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Well, Heidi ho there, neighbor, and welcome to 2022. Did you think you were going to make it? I, I, I figured I was going to make it. I don't think I'm ever going to die. So, I mean, I'm looking for 21-22 here personally, uh, and uh, oh, damn boy. it, I'm going to be driving a Jeep with uh, a gasoline engine in it. Maybe a diesel. But uh, just to just to piss everybody off in twenty one twenty two. So speaking of pissing everybody off, you know, you guys need to let people know about the Jeep Talk Show. You've done a great job in twenty twenty one, and we're we want you to do a great job in twenty twenty two. So let everybody know about the Jeep Talk Show. Eleven years in podcasting, and they and people still say I've never heard of the Jeep Talk Show. <laughs> What do you guys do? Do you, do you sell Jeeps? Is that what you do there? No, damn it. We inform and entertain you uh, three times a week. So, yeah, continue to uh, let people know, uh, like you did in 2021, about the Jeep Talk Show. Hey, the JTS team is here to inform and, and entertain you about Jeeps. If you're new to the Jeep world or thinking about jumping in and getting your feet dirty, you're in the right place. Whether you're interested in having a unique off-road vehicle ready to hit the trails or that daily driver that's also a weekend warrior, this show is for you. Find out more information about the Jeep Talk Show at jeeptalkshow.com. Funny how that works out. Glad you are here, Jeeper. I'm Josh, and on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, I'm going to fill you in on all the details surrounding all this buzz about the return of the most iconic Jeep engine of all time. Sort of. And later, we begin a huge multi-part series in Jeep audio and get into all the ins and outs of speaker selection. You don't want to miss it, so buckle in. We've got quite a few of these. Well, howdy, it's Wendy, and you can always check out my segment, Newbie Nuggets, on our Friday episodes. I talk about all kinds of topics. I'm Tony, and I'm new here, and I'll be interviewing Greg Henderson of Unofficial Use Only, and of course, his most recent build, which was the Quadratech YJL that was featured at SEMA in 2021. Talk about an iconic Jeep, man. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's, it's really nice. Uh, I mean, just looking at the, the, the pictures and, and talking to, uh, to Greg about how it was built, it's, it's very, a very interesting story. Two words, Jeep <laughs> Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's this week in Jeep. The code GMET6HO. <laughs> it actually is a code name, and it stands for Global Medium Engine Turbo Six High Output. Where did it come from? What does it mean? Or is it just a rumor? Or is it a planned leak? Or is it all fake news just to get some publicity? There are lots of questions surrounding the recent online buzz that has been created by the discovery of some quote-unquote official Stellantis documents. 
The documents in question contain a list of applications of various engine parts, identifying several domestic models by their internal codes, DT being Ram 1500, JL, current Wrangler, JT, the Gladiator, of course, the WL, which is the Grand Cherokee, and WS, the Wagoneer. Now, these models are all slated to use a high-output version of the new Tornado engine, a 3-liter inline-six with turbocharged assistance, possibly with a mild hybrid integration. So what's all that mean? Well, we have drawings, we have licensing or patent requests for the design, and a list of models, so not much, really. <laughs> Actually, what everyone wants to know is just how much power this new engine will produce, and a lot of people are wondering what it's going to sound like. Now, right now, the consensus is that in two potential different tunes of the power plant, it'll uh, replace both the 303-horsepower Pentastar V6 and the 375-horsepower Hemi V8. That's right, and in line 6, replacing a Hemi V8. The latter generates up to 395 horsepower and 410 feet-pound or pound-feet of torque in the Ram 1500 uh, with the e-torque mild hybrid motor. So the train of thought is that the high-output version of this new Tornado engine could put out numbers at least close to or exceeding those. Now, right now, the benchmark for replacement engine for this class of vehicle would be one currently set by Ford Motor Company with their 3.5-liter twin-turbocharged EcoBoost V6 engine, which is producing somewhere in the neighborhood of around 400 horsepower and 500 pound-feet of torque in their, in, their, uh, in their trucks. I think they have that in the F-150. So, according to the drawing, we have uh, a straight-six configuration with, well, what's this now? Why, it's twin turbos, producing an unknown amount of raw horsepower. Wish we knew what the potential is for this engine. What we do know is that according to the Stellantis press site, the engine is being produced at the uh, Saltillo uh, engine plant, and that the high-output version entered production on November 22, 2021. Now, all that information now has currently been stripped from the website's information page. However, the engine is believed to be based on the four-cylinder architecture used for the Alfa Romeo, Giulia, Stelvio, and Jeep Wrangler and Grand Cherokee 4XE models, which more or less makes sense. I mean, just add two more cylinders onto the end of it, right? And change the cam and the head and bam! Simple, right? One would think. So with Ford standing behind, uh, Ford standing behind uh, as much as it is with its twin-turbocharged EcoBoost V6 engines, why has Stellantis gone with an inline configuration on its new engine? Well, it's simple. Smoothness and torque. Ask any 4-liter fan and they will tell you. An inline 6 can be smooth as silk and oh, so torquey. Straight 6 engines also tend to be simpler and cheaper to produce compared to their V-shaped siblings. Thanks to having only a single cylinder head at least. Now, finding room for such an engine certainly has its challenges, especially in smaller vehicles because inline 6s tend to be quite long. However, if a vehicle can accommodate an inline-six, like the Tornado, for instance, it's generally going to be the superior choice. And here's another big advantage of using turbocharged configurations of an inline-six. It gives you the flexibility to extract much more power. Like, say, for a Hellcat replacement, for instance. All one would have to do is crank up the boost and maybe upgrade the springs in the head a little bit, tune the fuel and cooling system components to support the increased grunt, and off you go. But the way I see it, a super high-output version of the Tornado engine could actually be the engine's of choice for vehicles like the Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk or a new Wrangler variant moving forward. Again, all speculation. Now, regardless, this is big news. Or is it? Just hours after the information was published on Jeep's press site, the Stellantis press release was updated to remove references to the GME T6HO engine. 
This may be because the 2022 model year information and options list has already been published for the Wrangler, Gladiator, Wagner, Wagoneer, rather, Grand Cherokee, and Ram 1500, with no mention of the new Tornado engine. So this means one of a couple things. This is either much to do about nothing, it's all fake news, seems awfully well orchestrated if that's the case, or this will come to fruition. The release was all accurate, if not ill-timed, and the return of the inline-six engine to Jeep will be introduced in a mid-year update, or possibly as part of the model year 2023 updates, shortly before Stellantis switches over to electrification with fully electric or hybrid versions of the all-Aldia aforementioned vehicles on the way. What do you guys think about all this? This is, this is nonetheless, getting a lot of attention online. Even in the uh, Discord chat today, at some point, uh, we had uh, quite a discussion about this a little bit. I was trying not to let the cat out of the bag. I was telling people <laughs> that uh, uh, we were, uh, you know, I, I had uh, spent a, a great deal of, uh, of time researching this, this story and, uh, and that I was going to be talking about it on a future show. So I didn't really want to egg people on or start, you know, talking too much about uh, about what it is, because I wanted them to listen to the show, right? So, uh, but nonetheless, this is getting a lot of attention, and uh, uh, just the attention alone may force Stellantis into a position, even if they weren't planning on bringing this into into the into the lineup right away. So, I, I don't know. It, there, this is this is big news, nonetheless. And Tony, I know you're a four liter inline six fan, uh, probably always will be. Uh, what do you think about this news? You know, uh, when you said tornado, it made me think to something I had heard, and I don't have any information on this other than just something that I, uh, I, I saw because it has to do with the older vehicles, so I don't really commit it to memory. But it seems like there was a tornado uh, engine back in the 60s, uh, 50s and 60s, that uh, was used by either Chrysler or Jeep. So I did some quick, uh, quick checking, and yeah, there was a tornado uh, engine that was used in Jeeps, and apparently it, it had some issues of it being too complex, at least for the 60s, and it was retired. Do you think that this engine has anything, the, it's a, obviously it's not going to be the exact same thing, do you think it, but, but do you think it has its roots from this, uh, the tornado of the 60s, 50s and 60s, or, or are they just hurricane. reusing the name? <laughs> I'm kind of glad you brought that up because um, I'll be glad, uh, not kind of. Well, yeah, well, because I mean, it does it does sort of touch back on the history, the the yeah. very very early days uh, of, of Jeep engines, and um, and, and yeah, the Willys had the Super Hurricane. Uh, there was the Tornado in, in the Jeeps. I mean, so yes, there is some history there. Now, whether or not there's any nostalgia, I'm going to say no. Jeep has had a history over the last. Ugh, six years yeah. of regurgitating That's what names I was wondering. Is, you know, maybe that was the case. Yeah, that they were regurgitating yeah, the name. That, exactly. I think that's a little bit more of, of that. Okay. Uh, they, they pull a name out of the bucket because there's all these names that haven't been used in a long time. They, they're copyrighted or they, they're trademarked, whatever they are. They can use them. Why go through all the process of trying to develop a new Jeep engine name when we can just regurgitate one. I think Jeep Talk Show would be a great name for an engine, especially for a straight six. <laughs> JTS has a nice ring to as it. As long as it's straight, damn it. <laughs> so with uh, the benchmark of around 400 horsepower and 500 pound-feet of amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Now, imagine being able to get those kind of numbers out of your four-liter inline six. I know. 
<laughs> yeah, probably not going to happen with uh, without a, a trip to some uh, some uh, turbo or, or some uh, supercharger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know, possibly even some boring and stroking and you know all that sort of stuff. Oh, so slower. I mean, um, this is this has some big potential. Uh, a lot of people are kind of curious what it's going to sound like. Uh, what kind of low end numbers? I mean, right now we don't know any of the numbers uh, at all. Uh, or whether or not this thing is even actually being built or not. So uh, I think it's going to take a couple few weeks. Um, this may end up getting completely swept under the rug. I don't know. Uh, but nonetheless, there's a lot of buzz about it, and, and I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon uh, unless Jeep really makes a concerted effort to put the hush on this, which, I mean, that sort of raises questions unto itself. Well, how about this? I'm not a huge basketball fan. I, I mean, I'll keep an eye on what the Portland Trailblazers are doing sometimes. And I, I may watch the finals just to see some, you know, some good game, but that's about it. When I heard about an NBA player who spent over $300,000 on a Jeep build, I, I just had to know more. Especially when I heard the name at the center of all this. Whiteside. Back in 2019, Hassan Whiteside was playing for the Portland Trailblazers. And when he began his this, this six-figure Jeep build. Two years and a ridiculous amount of money later, and Big Shirley was born. A conglomeration of efforts by a number of different auto-modifying shops. What started off as a 2020 model year Wrangler Sahara was stretched and modified to the 6x6 structure that we've talked about here on the show before. It was done by none other than SoFlo Jeeps. You'll recognize the name of South Florida Jeeps from episode 512, where we talked about them modifying a set of Wranglers and Gladiators for various police departments in the Fort Lauderdale and Hollywood areas of Florida. And on episode 434, when we featured a six by uh, featured a six-figure six by six build of theirs that sold for, or I'm sorry, currently sells for around $150,000. By the looks of it, that's where this ball player started, at least. And after the complete physical transformation from SoFlo Jeeps, America's Most Wanted had their turn with it. They dropped in a highly modified and tuned 900-horsepower Hellcat crate engine into it. Wow. Obviously, with a Dana 80 front axle and twin Dana 60s in the rear, all rolling 40-inch tires, not to mention the extra frame needed for the stretch and all the extra steel on this thing, it has to weigh like 5 tons and get horrible gas mileage. So, an additional gas tank was added, bringing the total capacity up to a whopping 34 gallons. In all, it took, the, uh, took him about 1,800 man-hours to build this guy's Jeep. One of the more unique mods of this insane machine? The seat was lowered as far as it would go with the bracketry, bracketry custom-made so that the 7-footer can actually fit into the Jeep. When asked why he named the Jeep, uh, Whiteside said, because she's big and good-looking, like a country mama. <laughs> yes, that means Big Shirley, where he comes from. Either way, you can see this behemoth rolling around the streets of Salt Lake City as Hassan Whiteside actually uses it to drive to practice back and forth any given week. I just got the the feeling that uh, getting inside this uh, this uh, this Jeep, it would smell good. It would smell like Sunday uh, uh, afternoon cooking. Uh, you know, just uh, like, like the good Southern cooking <laughs> with fried chicken and gravy bacon on everything i just uh i just you know did you, you skip so? dinner t- tony country I mean, uh, c- country mama you know hey, i can i can think <laughs> about what i want to think about i, I you guys noticed it had a red interior right i <laughs> saw that i was like what is that gonna be mentioned <laughs> yeah right it was one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, but they did the red interior took it up to three hundred thousand. right but here's the question i have with six wheels i can't even imagine going over any kind of 
serious trails. Josh, what do you think? Paved. Yeah, so, paved trails. I actually uh, listened to a little bit of an interview with this guy. Uh, he was asked the question, what's it like to drive it? And, and he says, he, he admits, like, you look at this thing and you think that it's a pain in the ass to drive. It's yeah. horribly un- unmaneuverable, unfriendly on the streets, all that sort of stuff. Actually, it's not. He says it's a pleasure to drive. It's very wow. easy in town and stuff like that. Parking is a little bit of an issue uh, as far as that goes, but uh, he doesn't have any problem in parking lots or in city streets and things like that. So it's very um, user-friendly, if you will. It's like dr- this- driving a big truck. You just have to plan your turns where you're parking. Well, and- yeah. But there's things like rear steering that could have added to that for that price. And I don't know if it has that rear steering, but I would think that it would have at least something, a couple of degrees or something in the back end that would shift. I, would I, I nice. don't know. For 300000 you would think so. Dude, seriously. Especially when you can buy one pretty much off the shelf from the company who makes these things for about 150000 So where'd the other hundred and fifty grand go? Well, there, he's got 900 horsepower under the hood. Now, these uh-huh. things come modified with an, uh, an Eco Diesel putting out around 600 horsepower. Uh, from the factory or from the factory from the shop who who makes these things uh, but obviously that wasn't good enough for an NBA player he had to have a little bit more got that Hellcat crate engine and highly modified and tuned it up to 900 horsepower you know with the diesel you'd need those twin stacks like it was uh, an 18 wheeler <laughs> yeah something. but he's running gas man this is this oh no I understand gas. that but I was just thinking if you had the 600 horsepower diesel put those you'd big stacks on there you know and <laughs> right. uh, I'd like to know if uh, if both rear axles are active or if one is just a uh, good question drag. now they do say six by six mm-hmm. so I'm going to assume it has two live rear axles or they don't know what the hell they're talking about or they don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. exactly. I, I, a company like that who's building these things and selling them and, and multiples of them. Uh, oh, no, no. If it's from them, yes. But I don't know yeah. who wrote this. So Yeah. No. Well, I wrote it. <laughs> uh, didn't, and if you didn't, have a... Didn't even miss you being gone to research this, uh, this okay. information. That's really cool. <laughs> now, if you've got a news tip or response to any one of our stories, including this one, be sure to let us know what you have to say. And you can do it by phone or by email. Just head over to Jeep Talk Show dot com slash contact to find out how to reach out he's got the name of the of the, the vehicle under the wheel wells the rear wheel wells mm-hmm. man there's yeah, a lot of that. clearance there hey, hey. And, and you guys will get to see these pictures as well in our uh, jeeptalkshow.com show notes yep just head over to jeeptalkshow.com look for episode 548 you can scroll through the show notes see the same pictures and and all the stuff that we're working with and, and talking about and all that sort of stuff Hey, coming up a little bit later in the show, we've got an interview with Greg Henderson from Unofficial Use Only. You don't want to miss this one. That doesn't sound right, does it? You want to say official use only, unofficial <laughs> use only. He's, he's a clever guy. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Hey, if you don't know about the 4x4 Radio Network, it's time to check it out. We've got something for everybody who's into off-road over there. And, I mean, there's a ton of great shows. They're all really good. They're all in one place. It's the On the Trail podcast, the Trail Chasers, the Center Steer podcast, the 4x4 podcast, the Jeep Talk Show is there. Everything is there. It's all one-stop shop for nothing but great off-road audio. Go check it out. It's all for free. 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, have you ever wanted to hear the Jeep Talk Show sound better? Yeah, wait a minute. I don't like the, where this is going. We begin an all-new <laughs> multi-part series and speaker selection. Are you guys interviewing a replacement for me? You can tell me. It's 2022. I can handle it. <laughs> no. All right. Well, good.
Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? Jeep Talk Show has been my weekly rotation. Look forward to it every week, each and every Friday. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. I support a great podcast, been a lifelong Jeeper myself, continue to learn with each and every episode that I listen to. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. Absolutely. If you like Jeeps, anything to do with Jeeps, I like it for the, the technical, clear content, advice, and learning. Well, you know, Chris is a paid subscriber, and you should be too, especially in 2022. You know, I'll mention this. I mentioned this last year, uh, that your tax rebate is coming very, very soon. And you, we're going to make it easy for you guys. You're going to sign it straight over to us. Uh, <laughs> you know, and now if it's something that you owe, then no, that would not be a good thing to do. But <laughs> if you're, <laughs> if, if, if you got some, some positive dollars on there, I don't care if it's a dollar, just sign the check over to us and you will no longer be a, uh, a rat bastard unless you want to be, you can always continue being a rat bastard. If you like, we're easy here. We don't have any standards. So, uh, go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, scroll on down and look at the three packages that are available. And there's uh, some goodies associated with all three of those packages. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, now that the holidays are behind us, it's time for that one day of the year that I enjoy so much and look forward to. It's that one special day where we spend it with the people we love the most, where we eat expensive food, drink way too much, and get very emotional. Now, I'm not talking about Valentine's Day. I'm talking about the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, and there's pizza involved, too. Oh. But that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to tell you I just burned 2,000 calories. Yeah, that's the last time I leave brownies in the oven while I take a nap. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. That's about as bad as the people that were throwing uh, pizzas on uh, somebody's vehicle parked outside. You never, you never waste pizza. You never waste brownies. No. Yeah, right? <laughs> You got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I just, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! Damn it, now I want brownies. Yes. Now, how to choose the right speakers for your Jeep and you and your music. That's at least what we're going to try and accomplish in this series. The goal by the end of all of this, and it's probably going to go on for a little while, is for you to have a better understanding of what speakers are, how they work, and, and what makes a good speaker, well, good. We'll take a look at size, power handling, clarity, efficiency, the whole gambit. And in the end, you'll be armed with a ton of knowledge that will help you not only find the right speaker for your Jeep, but the right speaker for the kind of music that you listen to. And more importantly, how to avoid some common traps and how to get the most bang for your buck, too. One of the first things that you should consider when making the decision to upgrade the audio in your Jeep is the size of the speaker that you need. Ordinarily, the idea would be the bigger the better, right? Well, unfortunately, there isn't one-size-fits-all when it comes to speakers. Every Jeep is different, and they all have different sizes of speakers that go in specific locations. Trying to put a larger or even smaller speaker into a location that wasn't meant to house that size of speaker will either, either be impossible or will oftentimes require modifications or special adapters that can quickly add to the cost of the upgrade. Now, there are a ton of resources, resources online to put in vehicle information and see what speaker size goes where in your Jeep. So just start a search and pick one, maybe two, to compare the information that you get to ensure that it's accurate. Now, as I stated earlier, not all Jeeps are the same. 
And some Jeeps may have come with upgraded or premium sound systems from the factory. These types of systems generally have better quality equipment, built-in or external amplifiers, and sometimes even a subwoofer for some low-end bass. Your Jeep has a premium sound system from the factory, and it hasn't been modified, but this whole process may be a bit more challenging, actually. In some cases, there will be a speaker pod in the door, an actual plastic enclosure that may even be riveted into the door. This may or may not have its own built-in amplifier, and the speaker itself may or may not be riveted or glued into place. Aftermarket speakers may not fit or may not have the right resistance to work with the amplifier correctly. You may also find that the problem that you're having isn't with the speaker at all, and well, there's something else going on. I know, it's like Pandora's box here. Hence, why a lot of times, simpler is better. Dealing with everything that goes into repairing a premium sound system in any vehicle makes the entire process of something as simple as replacing a speaker much harder and can get expensive depending on the route taken. Now, if you fall into this category, and some of you do, I know, it's okay, I recommend talking with a tech at the stereo shop in your town. Or even drop me an email and maybe we can work through it together. But if at all possible, avoid talking to any car audio salesman until you are absolutely <laughs> sure what the game plan is. Look, my yes. co-hosts are laughing because they, they, they know there's some truth into this. Yes. So ask to talk with an installer first. If they ask why, just give them an elbow right into the ribs. Get out of here. I'm going into this stuff. No, and pick their brains about some options. That Really, that's who you're going to want to talk to. Talk to an installer. Not only are they going to know a lot more than the nicely dressed chap up front, but they're also going to be a lot more likely to steer you in the right direction versus somebody working on nothing but points and commissions. Now, once you have that information and know what size speaker is going to be right for your Jeep, well, there are quite a few other things to consider. And we're going to start getting into all of that in the very next Tech Talk, so be sure to stay tuned to the Jeep Talk Show. Is there still money to be made in uh, stereo purchase and installation? It seems like stereos are so inexpensive now. Well, I mean, car audio has come a long way since the, uh, you know, the first days of Fast and Furious when uh, I, I call that the heyday of, of car audio. Uh, when, that, when the Fast and Furious franchise first debuted, uh, it, was, it was an absolute golden era for car audio. Everybody with a Honda wanted to modify their vehicle and and they wanted the all the custom stuff and and that usually came with the sound system as well and and so uh it was a huge huge boom for car audio now obviously that that sort of had its time and that time has come and gone uh and as the years have have uh the water's gone under the bridge as it were uh car audio from the factory has gotten a lot better infotainment systems screens in the dash from the factory Screens in the headrests from the factory. Right. Screens all over the place from the factory. And what, have they got seven screens in the uh, in the Grand Wagoneer now or something like that? So, I mean, it's it's come a long way. Uh, the aftermarket has sort of driven what the OEM uh, has done. Uh, and premium sound systems have been around for, for years and years and years. So, the, the, the writing has been on the wall for decades. Um, now, you, you get into a, a newer uh, vehicle. Heck, Tony, I'm sure even the, the stereo in the, uh, in the JT is just a night and day difference compared to what was stock in the XJ when you first got it. So, I mean, just looking at, at how the factory audio has come, you would think that car audio stores, there's no need for them anymore. Well, they're still or, older vehicles, and there's still oh, a need for upgrades and things like that. So, although... The heyday has come and gone, and, and the big boom of car audio is, has seen its, its best days. Uh, th there's still stores out there. 
Uh, they're still doing very good business, uh, and they've they've expanded and sort of readapted. You're going to find uh, car audio shops now doing detailing, uh, selling cell phones and stuff like that, of course, as well. Uh, and, and have really probably gone into the market of doing like things like intakes and and some simple other vehicle modifications just to stay relevant in the in the industry. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're, they're still not a good source of information, and and can be a good place to start with. Um, and, and trying to get this information over the phone, nah, it's not going to happen. Right. We really need to go down there, person, uh, you know, face to face, in person, shake hands with one of those installers, and just talk to them about what you're trying to accomplish. Well, and you, now, and you need to have enough information to be able to ask and know what the information yeah. is coming to you. And of course, this series is going to help our listeners with that. Hundred percent. So I, I have now, a, I, I have a quick question. By all means, wouldn't. Wouldn't you take and measure the, the speakers you already have in the different spots and then try to replace that size? Because you were mentioning that every Jeep is different. There's different sizes of speakers. Or is it something like you're talking about upgrading the speaker? There's all kinds of options. You really need to know if it's going to fit into your Jeep. So sometimes, wouldn't it be okay to measure? Sometimes it's worth cutting. Or like in the XJ, uh, you could actually put an inch bigger speaker in the door than what came okay. from the factory. So I see. Yes, with with very little modification, they even made some adapters that that w- that could work with that. Um, you know, it all depends on how far you want to go. Now, that being said, uh, to kind of answer your question in a uh, in a rude sort of way, and I apologize Uh-oh. for this. Read the manual. Uh, it would it would <laughs> kind of be like um, taking your alternator out and then trying to drive to the store to figure out which alternator you need. Got it. So, you know, it, you, you have your door panels off. You know, you've got, you know, wires disconnected, switches all pulled apart, you know, things like that. And now you have a speaker pulled out. Well, with your vehicle torn apart like this, are you going to want to drive it to the store with that speaker mm-hmm. in your hand? No, you're probably going to want want to be armed with as much information as possible, knowing what you're going to need, getting that part, and then having that home turf advantage to install it at your will and at your leisure and and dealing with whatever snags may may come into in, into play during that whole process, and not having to worry about cleaning everything up in the middle of it all, and driving to the audio store or wherever to go buy a set of speakers. So th- that's that's kind of why you wouldn't do things like that. But you you know you absolutely could. There's nothing wrong with doing it that way. Makes sense. You know, Josh, it dawned on me whenever you were talking about the heyday of stereos and everybody that had a Honda wanted a, a stereo system in it. I never saw a meme with a Honda lawnmower all decked out with a stereo system and speakers. <laughs> that would have been funny. Just I'm sure it's out there. I was going to say, man, you got to go down to the south where they do the lawnmower racing and stuff. Exactly. And, and, it's there. You know, I'm telling you. In the parking lot, they've got all the all the tricked out lawnmowers and stuff. And there's, <laughs> there's a guy. No, he doesn't have two bags on the back. He's got he's got two speaker boxes on the back. That's right. <laughs> the riding lawnmower with a cup holder. Big old eight-inch screen on the front. It smelled like grass, dude. <laughs> Not that kind of grass. <laughs> So like I said, this is going to be a multi-part series. I'm predicting at least four segments uh, that we're going to go through on this. So this is this is going to be dominating tech talk for uh, probably most of, of, of January of 2022. So uh, stick around. We're going to learn a lot of stuff about speakers. It'll be a lot of fun. And of course, if you have anything to add or maybe you have a question for tech talk, just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and be sure to send us a message. Let us know a topic or uh, something that, uh, a problem that you're having in your own build that maybe you would like for us to cover here on the show. And, uh, and you could actually be featured here on the show with your question. So uh, go ahead and get that in right away.
you can listen to the Jeep Talk Show live. You never know what will happen or where the conversation will go. You can only hear you. Uh oh. So you're actually getting the best part of the show, is what you're saying. Uh, yeah. Uh, Join us every Thursday night and be part of our virtual campfire. It's the Zoom People Fall. Or whoever the spokesperson was. Sure. <laughs> We're starting our own Zoom People podcast. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook and know when and how you can join the conversation. Was it an accident or was it on purpose? Louise Day. I was just thinking if we ever change the, the day we record on, we'll have to <laughs> have to change that. Uh, Louise Day. Yeah, Louise Day. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm sorry. I always hate podcasts where they have inside baseball that, you, that the listener has no idea what we're talking about. What the hell are they talking about? <laughs> they're, they're laughing about it. It's funny. I can tell. Tell me. I want to laugh. But exactly. <laughs> Wendy, do you know? Do you know what we're talking about? You remember that story? Yes. Louise okay. Day. Good. Yeah. Louise Day. Yeah. We uh, we changed recording uh, days uh, a long time ago. Like uh, probably during XJ Talk uh, uh, days, yeah. and uh, we uh, instead of having to redo the uh, the promo, we just uh, said let's just go in there and just put in a really bad tweak dub. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cut, cut and paste, and it was told yeah. me it was like you know, two completely different voiceovers what? just train wrecked together. And uh, it was right. like, it was like if we were doing like on Sunday or something, recording things on Sunday, right. and we, we changed it over to Thuiz Day. So Day. <laughs> the little Bugs Bunny, uh, Looney Tune, uh, Thuiz Day in there. So that was that was fun. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Alrighty, ho, boys and girls. It's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview. And tonight we're going to be talking with Greg Henderson, unofficial use only. I don't know if you've heard that before, but uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, I like that name. always have. Now, uh, Greg Henderson has been an avid off-roader for the last 21 years and in, in the industry since 2006. His first published Jeep build was in 2006, and since then, he's had 23 published Jeep builds, including eight magazine covers. Greg has built 17 SEMA builds, designed seven of those builds. He has worked on four Ultimate Adventure rigs and rigs featured in several TV, shoes, uh, TV shows or shoes, uh, including Extreme 4x4, Truck Night in America, and co-host with Courtney Hansen on American, American Super Jeep Challenge, set to air on Motor Trend. Greg, thanks a lot for being here. It's been a long time. Uh, we've been trying to get you on, and uh, frankly, I wanted you on since I saw the Path Killer. I don't remember if I saw it at SEMA, because it's a number of years ago now, uh, or if I just saw pictures of it. I, I feel like I actually walked by it and saw it, and I didn't know what I liked about it. Uh, being a longtime uh, Jeep XJ owner, you'll probably know why I, I, I liked it, but I couldn't quite, quite put my finger on it. Which, by the way, I didn't put my finger on it if I, if I was there. I wouldn't touch those things. Oh, everybody touches them, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that was... Uh that one was in 2016. Okay. Um, I actually entered that in the Battle of the Builders at SEMA. Um, it was a 2016 JK Rubicon with a little bit of a facelift. Um, and the name was kind of a dead giveaway because I never showed anybody what I was building, but I did name it very early on and I called it Pathkiller. And if, at the time, if you would have Googled Pathkiller, 
it would have come up as the very last chief of the Cherokee nations was Chief Pathkiller. So the, the giveaway was in the name. Ah, okay. See, my first Jeep was the, the Cherokee that we got in 1998, uh, brand new, and it's still in my garage. So uh, that's kind of, uh, I mean, I knew about Jeeps ahead, ahead of that, but as far as getting deep into it, I uh, really hadn't. So uh, I guess 98 was my uh, my first Jeep year, 97, 98. Uh, and uh, boy, that that's really looked cool. I didn't understand why it looked so cool. Then later I put uh, put two and two together. Now, uh, the 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 nose on that uh, JKU, was that the entire front clip off of a, a Jeep Cherokee, an XJ? Uh, yes and no. Um, it was a creative blend of a 2001 Cherokee front clip and the JK front clip. So, like, there was a blend in the hood and a blend in the fenders, and um, it was an unmolested grill. And I did not hurt a Cherokee in the making of Pathkiller. Um, I sourced all of the parts from Onyx Ada because they still have all brand new parts for Cherokees. Oh, God bless you. I don't know. People don't seem to understand that. I'm that way when I see a, like a, a CJ desk or uh, like a TJ that has been cut up and used at a, uh, for a bar inside a pool room. Uh, I look at that as a, uh, a gutted Jeep that could be out on the trail. So uh, I appreciate you saying that. That makes me feel better about uh, there's no XJ out there that uh, is uh, missing parts. You know, kind of like those uh, frog legs. When you move with frog legs, you got the little yeah, frogs yeah, in the uh, wheelchairs. No sac- <laughs> right. Yeah, no sacrificial lamb at all. Um, in fact, I didn't know it until the time. I knew Omic Data had the parts, but I didn't know that they had um, a, a pile of old stock parts. So when, when the Cherokee production stopped, they actually bought all the leftovers. Oh. So the hood and the fenders that I got for that were original Cherokee parts that just never ended up on a Cherokee. Um, and then, you know, a lot of cutting and grinding and bending and, I don't know, I hit each one of those fenders probably 90,000 times with a hammer to get the shape that I wanted. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was a fun build. Beautiful. Just absolutely beautiful. And it was done so well, so seamless. Like I said, I, from a long-time XJ owner, I couldn't understand why that 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 uh, that Jeep looked different, but I liked it. <laughs> yeah, and one thing a lot of people didn't know is it was still on stock suspension. So it was all factory JK suspension underneath. It was a Rubicon. But there was no lift or anything else. Um, what I did is I opened the wheel wells up uh, with cutting and grinding to allow a stock vehicle to fit 37s with no lift. Uh-huh. So not only was it kind of a nice front end, it also you know was a very, very low center of gravity uh, vehicle with big tires. Yeah, that that is really nice. Now, what uh, what gave you the idea? Was this somebody else's idea, or was it your idea? And if so, how how did you come up with it? Um, no, that one uh, that one was one hundred percent me. The, the there was a company making a convertible top. It was a convertible soft top that was powered. Uh, the company was called My Top, and they just asked me if I would build them something that would get attention and. I asked if I could have full creative control. They told me yes. (laughs) And the ball went rolling from there. Um, I knew in my head and from the industry that the throwback builds, the nostalgic builds, are the ones that get the very most attention. So I knew it had to be a throwback build. 
and their top was kind of squared off. So I figured if I took, you know, the squared off top, what could I do to the front end to play off of that top without changing the rest of the vehicle? And the Cherokee was the first one that hit my mind because it's definitely a throwback. And <laughs> I knew it was going to garner a lot of attention. Yeah. And it's so def- that's, that's kind of where I went. And it's definitely a brick. <laughs> so it's definitely <Yeah>. squared. <laughs> well, and, and that's one thing that a lot of people, that was really funny. Once it was done, so that vehicle was done, and I drove it back and forth across the country. I used it to tow um, another one of my Jeeps to and from Moab, so from Michigan to Moab. Um, that vehicle, it was a 2016 Jeep Wrangler JK with a 3.6 and a stick shift. And I did do a power adder. It had a supercharger on it. But um, driving that across the country, it actually improved the aerodynamics of the vehicle. So a, a bone stock JK, you know, you're lucky if you get 17, 18 miles to the gallon on the highway. Mm-hmm. And that one averaged 24 miles to the oh gallon on the highway. Oh, my God. <laughs> so... And towing with it, like towing a trailer with another Jeep, um, I averaged like 17. That's amazing. So, so it, it, it surprised me. I would have immediately thought that it was going to lose aerodynamics, but it actually made it better because you didn't have as much tire sticking out. You didn't have those, the big bulbous fenders sticking out. Um, and it, you know, the front end's a little bit more compact and tucked in. So it cut through the air better than I would have ever anticipated. My God, why aren't you running Jeep? You know, they're trying to get MPG up over there with doing all kinds of silly things to Jeeps these days. I didn't know my Gladiator was going to have aluminum doors until uh, until I almost had it. And uh, all they have to do is stick a, a, an XJ nose on the front of these things and they'll, <laughs> they'll be uh, up where the diesel engines are. Well, I've been waiting patiently for somebody to commission that. You know, somebody with a Gladiator to ask me to put a Cherokee front end on it because then they'd have a modern Comanche, but nobody's, yeah. nobody's asked me to do it yet. So I haven't, yeah, but, um, that's right. what's really funny about that. They keep doing all these things to improve fuel economy. Yet I just, just finished a build for Quadratech that's called the YJL, which is all over the internet. Right. Um, so it's a YJ and a JL blend. And on that build, I pulled out 78 pounds of wiring. <laughs> Oh my God. Like 78 And mind you, the base vehicle was a 2020 JL Sport mm-hmm. um, with, with roll up door, you know, roll up windows. And so it, it didn't have all of the electronic options. But 78 pounds of wiring came out. Um, and I replaced all the wiring with a 14 pound wiring package from Painless, uh, which is for a YJ. So. I mean, that's a lot of wiring, and even the dashboard. Um, the dashboard's got to be somewhere in the neighborhood of around 150 pounds, where the YJ dashboard's like 15. So, it's, it's, they keep doing all these things to improve fuel economy, yet they're throwing so many creature comforts, all this electronic and wiring and stability control and everything else, that, that they're just adding an incredible amount of weight. Right. Um, even the doors, those aluminum doors are heavier than a JK door. At least to me, they feel heavier. Yeah. So how is it, why make the door aluminum if it's going to be heavier than its predecessor? Oh, very much. Uh, I mean, I very much agree with that. Yeah, I'm going to get you back over to the Quadratech build here in just a second. But I have a critical, critical question 
for all the XJ people out there in the world that has ever driven uh, an XJ very far, and 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 <laughs> the air temps are a little too hot, it overheats. Did you have any overheating issues uh, with uh, the uh, the path killer since you were you know running the XJ nose? No, none at all. Um, so I think part of the heating issues with the XJ is the the fan setup and the way that they they do the airflow, mm-hmm. but. With Pathkiller, it was, I didn't have any of that. I, I used the JK uh, cooling system. Oh, okay. So there, there, were, there were no blend issues. In fact, the, that JK um, retained 100% of its factory running gear, unlike the YJL that I just did for Quadratech, which everything has changed. Um, I like that. So, <laughs> yeah, it was. But yeah, no, no heating or cooling issues at all. Even with the supercharger, um, it just didn't care. Oh, that over you on hear your side. I'm climbing into my truck. I apologize. Oh, okay. Well, we'll just wait. Take it done. Oh, it's okay. I'm. Uh, it should be done. Binging. I was climbing into the truck because I had to go get my son from basketball. Okay, well, I guess my assumption was is that if you were using the uh, the XJ nose, you were using that uh, long uh, or wide, narrow um, XJ radiator, which I think has always been the culprit. I've I've actually not been able to take my XJ out anywhere because I can't drive it on the highway further than fifty miles, and it starts gradually uh, heating up. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean that's one of the things I thought about that. Uh, uh, path killer was gee i, I wonder if it uh, actually uh, uh screwed up the uh, the heating on there but obviously not since you kept everything uh, in there as a uh, stock that was the the three six that you had in that one is that correct yep yeah that was a uh, 2016 so it was the factory three six yeah so uh, getting over to the uh, quadratech build the uh, the yjl and correct me if i get that wrong um, I, I only found out recently, actually, Bob, uh, two Jeep, got two cheap Jeep guys, uh, his interview that he did with you out there at uh, SEMA uh, for, uh, I like calling it the Tic Tac. Uh, I, uh, I was watching that and I had no idea that you had done that build. And, that, and after I saw that, it made sense to me. Now, this is another critical question. The headlights that you were using uh, in that, uh, uh, that, that build, the YJL build, is, were those XJ headlights? Um, well, yes and no. Um, <laughs> so they were square headlights, just like the YJ. Uh-huh. So in the eighties, all the way through the early nineties, there was the YJ yuppie Jeep, uh, cause it was the first Jeep with plastic dashboard and other things. Um, so the YJ had square headlights. The XJ also had square headlights and the XJ, they used the same headlights. So yes and no. Um, we were copying an, a YJ, so definitely more YJ pronounced, <laughs> but same light. In fact, those uh, the lights that are in the YJL, I originally just wanted to use the factory original style lights, which right. would have been the field class halogen. Um, but Quadratech, because they manufacture the LEDs in square, uh, they chose to have me use those, which are... Uh, it's an LED with a heater element built into it, so it'll melt the snow. But, uh, yeah, so, yes, they are XJ, and yes, they are also 
a bevy of other vehicles, including the YJ. Yeah. And well, I was making our XJ. Our XJ I was making our XJ listeners, uh, you know, get a little excited, and and that'll help their, our YJ listeners as well. So, <laughs> a bit of yeah. a tongue-in-cheek question. Well, and and you can even throw it more. There's uh, you know the SJs, so the full-size Jeeps and the J20s. Um, they also use square headlights in some of the different models. So, mm-hmm. uh, and they they would all use that exact same square light. So uh, then that you and you covered the other thing I was going to ask you about. I thought I noticed uh, heater elements on those uh, those LED headlights, and you just confirmed that. So that's a really a detailed build. I would assume that those were just the headlights that they were uh, that you wanted that they wanted on there. The heating elements was not something that you added. No, yeah, the heating elements um, were just because they provided those lights. Um, you know, it's it's a light that they manufacture and that they sell. Uh, just like truck light, you know, truck light LEDs have been around for these 80 years at this point, and people don't realize that truck light's that old of a company, but um, truck light also sells a light that has that heating element. So all of the, the other major manufacturers of LED lights have started to come out with that heating element, uh, whether it be Quadratex front line or... JW speakers, which is another headlight that a lot of people and your listeners probably are aware of. Um, a lot of the LEDs will make that heating element because the LED itself doesn't produce enough heat to melt snow and ice off of its lens. So it's it's a really nice feature. Oh, absolutely. For people that live where I do, I live in Michigan, and we have snow and ice. In fact, it's, we had a small ice storm last night. Yeah, we had a listener up in Alaska, and apparently they get just the right kind of wet snow that uh, makes it collect very quickly on the LED headlights. And I had never thought about it before. Uh, I live in southeast Texas, so it, last time it snowed here of uh, any great uh, depth was uh, 1974. So <laughs> we, don't, we don't worry about snow I and ice much. Yet. <laughs> I got to ride my uh, my 10-speed bicycle in the uh, in the snow and ice. Uh, that was really cool. And got off the got didn't have to go to school that day. Um, so oh, yeah. <laughs> so how did the the uh, the Quadratech uh, YJL build come about? Um, kind of the same way as most of my builds. Uh, I don't do a lot. Of, I, well, I don't do any advertising or anything else. So um, I do. I'm word of mouth. People. People learn what I do and what I'm capable of, and then they ask questions. And Quadratech contacted me. Um, you know, they followed all of my builds. And they contacted me and asked if I wanted to do a build to commemorate their 30th year anniversary. And they wanted a JL to essentially mimic their original Jeep, which they still own. Um, so the Jeep that started Quadratech was in 1989 the Heritan Wrangler, uh, which they still own today. And Ted Wentz, the founder of Quadratech, he had purchased that YJ and was having an issue finding a top. He couldn't find one store that sold more than one brand of top. And that turned into him starting Quadratech as a, a place where all the tops were under one roof, so you could order them. And as, you know, 30 years later, 31 years now, Quadratech's a, a pretty big powerhouse. They're, you know, they're your one-stop shop for anything and everything you want Jeep-related, from the restoring your 1945 Willys all the way to 
a brand new 2021 JL. Um, they kind of have everything. It's they're just like Northridge, right? Um, and I know you've had Dave on from Northridge. Yep. Uh, Dave's a good friend, and you know they're they're essentially the same. Dave started his uh, what ten years ago ish. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the exact year. He he's told me before, and I forget it, so I apologize. But you know, Dave started in his garage at home, and now he's in Northridge Four by Four, which is another one of the largest places to buy all and everything you can dream of for your Jeep. Same as Quadratech. Yeah, so, I, I recently yeah, bought several they, things the from base them. Question, they, they were aware of what I'm capable of, and they asked if I could do it, and I jumped at the chances that I'd be... So yeah, uh, they contacted me and asked if I wanted to do a throwback build for them, and I jumped at the chance. I was really excited to do it. Did you also have the, the free hand at this one, or did they have some... I mean, obviously, you said the headlights. They had specific headlights they wanted you to use, but, I mean, they're they're square headlights, so, you know, whatever fits the hole. Yeah, I, I had probably 85% creative control on this build. Um, so there, there were some elements to the build that they chose, which I even kind of fought against. Um if you, if you see the original rendering, you can see what my original vision was for it, and it, it morphed and changed a little bit. They added some parts and they added lift kits and other things and tires. And, um, but I think all in all, we worked very, very well together, so the vehicle looks really good. Oh, the outcome is spectacular. I mean, it's it's very much a, it's kind of like that confusion thing I had with the the path killer. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's a great honor uh, to the uh, to the YJ uh, and and frankly, I think that if Jeep wants to name you know re- resurrect these old names like Renegade and so on and so forth, even the Cherokee, if they had gone to something uh, gone to you really and said, hey, how can we make a Renegade that still honors the original uh, model that we had named Renegade uh, or the the original Cherokee and give us an, a little help on the design there, uh, I think that a lot of us Jeepers would be a lot happier with some of the newer vehicles. Yeah, and I get you 100%. Um, I have the utmost respect for guys like Mark Allen and some of the other guys in the design team of the Jeep. But, um, you know, their hands are tied to a certain regard. You can't cost to do a front-end change is in the millions of dollars. Um, so... Doing just a grill, uh, which I think is, it's a huge impact that, you know, to change the shape of the grill, but the design time and everything else that the corporate entity, which is Stellantis nowadays, would have to pay to do such a grill, uh, I don't think it's cost-effective for them to do that. So, you know, they do Willie's package and they do other packages, which are just stickers and interior upgrades. Right. Um, you know, so... I mean, I'd be perfectly happy if they ever called and asked for some assistance. Uh, I am only 30 minutes away from you know, the design office, but um, it's still a lot of fun. And we can't, I can't knock them because I, I know how the inner workings work there. And I know what the cost is of some of the things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like that grill change would probably... Uh, it would be hard to put an exact number on it, but I'd say I, I would be willing to guess that it would take millions of dollars where, uh, you know, I did it relatively cheaply and I did do a one-off for Quadratech. However, we are looking at making it a 
production part. So oh. um, I've, I've been in touch with Jeep um, because it violates so many trademarks and stuff on it. <laughs> um, you know, the square headlights are a trademark, the, the seven slot, the, the outer shape of the grill. There's a lot of trademarks there. Uh, Jeep, Jeep is very good at trademarking and uh, protecting their name and their product. Um, so I've been in touch with Jeep. Uh, I've been in touch with the licensing department. I do have the ability to have an officially licensed Jeep product. So an aftermarket grill that's actually licensed, which it would be the only one, uh, unlike all the angry grills and other things, which are not licensed. Um, and my hesitancy, because we went through the whole process, uh, I had an engineer turn it into CAD and everything else, um, but the tooling costs for a small one-man shop like myself uh, is very daunting. You know, to tool up the tool to make that grill, we're talking close to a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. Um, so, so I was very hesitant to do that unless I knew that there was enough people interested. Because unlike most of your listeners, I don't have a quarter million dollars sitting in my bank account. <laughs> and so... But I was, I was relaying that information to somebody at SEMA, and Quadratech stepped in and said that we should have some meetings on that. So with any luck, uh, coming soon to a Jeep near you will be that, you know, or that square headlight grill. Um, and when I find things, even when I design Caterpillar or this front end, um, they're interchangeable. So you can take this grill off or you can take your factory JL or JT grill off and install this grill in under 10 minutes with a couple hand tools. Oh, nice. So like so, the angry, uh, angry grill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, but closer to factory. Yeah. Um, I, I made it much closer to, you know, factory assembly than those are. But it's, uh, yeah, it would, it would be under 10 minutes. In fact, the path killer grill, which you like, um, to remove that, Entire front end from Path Killer and replace it with factory sheet metal takes less than forty-five minutes. Very nice. Uh, anytime so I, you I can design that one is something that I could make too, but that one would have cost close to seven hundred thousand dollars to have the the stamping done for the sheet metal. Right. Yeah, we're not talking fiberglass or plastic here, folks. That's why it costs so much money is to have that uh, that mold so you can form these things. I was going to get a, a cal induction hood. For my uh, my uh, XJ uh, years back, and I kept dragging my feet and kept dragging my feet, and then when I finally decided I, I had the four hundred and something dollars to do it, I couldn't find it. I contacted the company, and they said, "Yeah, the mold broke. We're not. It was too expensive to get another mold, so we're not making it anymore." <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Yeah, and, and there's yeah, fiberglass there's, ones, there's, but I did not want a fiberglass one. They those were metal. I wanted the metal one. Yeah, well, and there's a TikTok song, or TikTok and YouTube and, you know, all of those. Uh, there's a song that's been out for a couple months that just makes me giggle, and it's like, it costs that much because it takes me yes. fucking hours. <laughs> yes. And I, I I love that song so much. I play it I don't know, at least once or twice a day in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know how the kids love the social media? I know that you guys are, or I shouldn't say you guys, you are on social media with unofficial uh, use only. How can uh, how can they find you on social media? Yeah, uh, it's actually surprisingly easy. You just type in unofficial use only, three words. 
Um, I have an Instagram. I also have Facebook, and I also uh, also also and also have a YouTube. Um, and they're all unofficial use only. I'm I'm going to start populating the YouTube a little bit more. Um, you know, instead of one video every three or four months, I'm going to try and do more and more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, my shop is me. Um, occasionally I have a helper until I have a full-time employee. I, I just got to say it's just me. And so I'm, I don't find a lot of time to sit in front of the computer or sit in front of my phone and play on the YouTubes and the Skypes and all that. Um, because I'm, I'm out here building stuff. In fact, right now I've got, I know I just came home from SEMA, but I've got one, two, three, four different projects going right now. Um, I've got a 1977 Cherokee Chief uh, with a Hemi that's uh, going overseas. I have a 93 YJ that my son and I are doing together. I have a 1955 Studebaker that I'm finishing up, pickup truck. And I'm just getting ready to pull in a really cool Jeep into the shop, which there's very, very few of. It is a early... The late 50s, uh, Willie's Fleet Van, which I think there's less than 25 of them driving around. Did you and say Fleet? That one I'm doing. Did you say Fleet Van? Yeah, Fleet Van. Oh, Willie's Fleet Van. Yeah. Um, if, if, you, if you troll my social media, uh, like Instagram, I posted a rendering of what I'm doing maybe a year ago. But I'm taking a, a, a real, a, a, an original Willie's Fleet Van. And I'm turning it into a handy-capable vehicle. So a, a very dear friend and a gentleman who's been in the Jeep industry for a long time, his name's Dave Adams, and he lives his life in a wheelchair. And I am making this fleet van uh, a tool so that he gets some mobility back. So he oh, can just oh. climb into his van and go for a ride whenever he wants without the assistance of another human being. Yeah, that's great. Very nice. And I'm putting it on uh, one of your one of your shows that I listened to recently. You talked all about Rocksource. Um, I'm actually putting it on a Rocksource chassis. So oh, okay. I purchased uh, a twenty late 2019 um, automatic Rocksource. So it's got the six speed automatic from uh, GM Colorado, um, and that's going to be the new powertrain for his fleet van. Um, I also, speaking about Rocksource, because uh, I did listen to your podcast where you guys talked so much about Rocksource, um, I built one a couple years ago for SEMA. So 2019, I did a Rocksource for SEMA with no lift and 37-inch tires. Oh, nice. Um, and that one, you can find pictures of it out of my social media, too. But it's, um, I, I noticed you guys were mentioning that you know, it pops out at 55 miles an hour, which it does not. Um, so from the factory, they top out at 55 because of a government mandated, uh, chip install that won't let them go faster than 55 because it's considered a side by side. And so mine, all I did, I put 37 inch tires on it. I re-geared it. And then I sent my computer to diesel freak, which is a place, uh, that specializes in rock sore tunes. And they put a new tune on it, and my Rocksaw will, with 37-inch tires, will happily drive down the expressway at 85 miles an hour. 
Yes. Yeah, somebody, some listener uh, told me that it was, they said govern, they, they had a governor on it. And I guess it does. It's a technical uh, governor with yeah, the it's chip. A, yep, it's, it's computer governed. Yeah. So it's, it's basically just some like even the, even the automatic, it's a six speed automatic. And when you hit third gear, it runs out of gas. Right? At third gear, you're doing 55 and it shuts itself down. Um, but as soon as you put the tune in it, it wakes it right up. Um, oh, that's really cool. And, you know, I, I was very hesitant to build a rock so when, they, when I was first approached about it because of the litigation that was happening between FCA and Mahindra at the time. Yeah. Until I did my research and I re- learned that you know, almost every Jeep from 1944 all the way through uh, YJ, Roxor or Mahindra owns the license too. Yep. You know they they buy the licenses every year, and they even used to buy all the old tooling. But they just four years ago they quit making flat fender wheelies because the tool finally wore out. Um, <laughs> you know they've been building them all over the world. It's just in the U.S. we haven't seen them. Right. So once I learned that, and even in their office. Because uh, their office is here in Michigan, it's in Pontiac, Michigan, where they build all the rock stores. Um, I went into the office, and on the wall they have a a letter and a document framed hanging on the wall. It's signed by Mike Manley, the president of Jeep, saying, "Yes, you can bring the rock store to the United States side by side." And then really? after they brought it and started making sales, then the FCA said, "No, no, you can't do that." Wow. So it, it, it's, com- it, it's, it's very simple. Um, and you can even find, just with a little bit of Googling, you can find that letter because they've, they've posted it on social media before. And it is. It's signed by the president of Jeep yeah. that says, you know, yeah, as long as you change the grill, because the grill used to look just like a CJ. Right. And they changed the grill to that Roxor grill. And with that change, Mike Manley said, yep, you can bring as many as you want. And then after they spent millions and millions of dollars developing and FCA do that, it, it hurts on the sales of our $50,000 Rubicons. Uh, I just don't, you know, I, I, I think we mentioned in the, like the last uh, a couple of podcasts ago, a couple of episodes ago that we mentioned uh, that it was like, why, why doesn't Jeep just, uh, you know, work with Mahindra and sell it as a uh, a side by side that's you know and and get into that part that part of the market don't it's not going to compete with a, a rubicon or anything else i mean that one on 37s that you built might but that's not that's not the basic uh mahindra so <laughs> the basic rock source so. no no the basic rock source is pretty simple in fact a lot of people in our industry i know uh was it med bacon and a couple other guys have built they've taken the rock source chassis and put it underneath their willies um, because it is essentially uh, a CJ. So it's the shorter CJ version, but it's, it's essentially a CJ with a 96-inch wheelbase um, and a fully boxed frame instead of a C-channel frame. Mm-hmm. And right from the factory, they come with Dana 44s front and rear. Wow. Um, you know, they're, nar- they're narrower than what we find on a modern Jeep, but right. it's, it's a great little workhorse side-by-side for your farm or as a toy. Um, I mean, mine will go on the highway, and I have it plated and insured, and I can drive it on the highway. But uh, it's an open-top vehicle, and it's not as much fun to drive in the middle of winter. But, um, you know, it's 
It's got more Jeep heritage, and I hate to say it this way because I, I don't want to sound trite because I love Jeeps, but the Mahindra has more Jeep heritage than the modern Jeep. It's a modern JL or JK is owned by Stellantis, who just got into the Jeep market when they bought FCA. Right. Um, Mahindra has been building these things since 1947. The one company since 47 has been building all of the old Jeeps. Um, and yes, it's not a road Jeep. It's, you know, it doesn't buy it as a side-by-side. It's essentially a toy. It's, I wouldn't well, the it's original not even in the same category as a modern Jeep. Yeah, but the, the original Jeep was not a road Jeep. Crew. It was a, definitely a right. trail Jeep to you know to save democracy. So uh, there's a lot to say, right. be said about that heritage. Well, and you know, I'm I'm not bagging on Jeep, and I'm not bagging on Mahindra, but it's um, it is a really nice little product. You know, that 2.4 common rail turbo diesel. Um, once you put a tune on it, I don't know how much horsepower mine makes, but um, just with the tune, it's it screams. You know, I mean, it flies down the highway. It does any trail you can think of. It's an enormous amount of torque, um, and it gets like thirty miles to the gallon <laughs> on thirty sevens. Um, That's amazing. It's, but it's not a modern Jeep. It's it's still not a TJ or a J. Um, you know, those have creature comforts that the Mahindra or the Rockstar couldn't dream of. Right. Um, so it, it's a toy, and I think it should be sold and served as a toy, but it's a toy that I really like. Um, you know, it's got really stout in, uh, running gear. Um, you know, Dana 44 is front and rear. You can get it with lockers from the factory. Uh, it's it's a gear-to-gear driven transfer case that you can actually unfold and put it in your old Willys. Wow, um, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, the Dana 44 is under a rock store. If you unbolt them from a rock store, they will bolt into an old Willys. That's, it's not changing a thing. Yeah, that's that's you the know, way it, it should be. I mean, if they're if they're building it from uh, from the old uh, the old design, and there's a lot to be said about yeah. that. I mean, that's kind of what a Jeep uh, used to be, and I agree with you as far as the 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 changes, the modifi- modification, uh, if you will, of uh, of the Jeeps. I, that's one of the reasons why, whenever the uh, the JL came out, that I was. Uh, uh, a little happy to see a more jeepy interior. Now, don't, don't get me wrong; it's not you know something that's uh, you know thirty years, forty years old. But it, to me, it had more of a jeepy feel to it than uh, the JK oh, yeah. did. The JK was more of a uh, had a car feel to it. Uh, and I'm sorry, JK people, it, it's just the way I felt about it. But the uh, the the JL well, and the JT the both. Because I do, I, I love the JL interior, and and I love the creature comforts. You know, I'm 44 now. I just had a birthday, and um, you know, I like the creature comforts. But one thing that really surprised me, and I, I know this is a complete departure from what we're talking about, the YJL that I just finished for SEMA, I actually put a YJ dashboard in a JL. And I thought, going into the process, that I was going to have to cut the grill in half and widen it to fit in the JL. Mm-hmm. And I had to do the exact opposite. I actually had to narrow the grill to fit into a JL. So the YJ grill is technically wider than a brand new JL grill. Interesting. Because of, and, and it's because of all the creature comfort stuff, right? It's an old YJ or a TJ or a CJ. The outer sheet metal you could touch from the inside, right? It just had one layer. It wasn't multiple layers of sheet metal and crash protection and, you know, all that stuff. So 
all of those layers, the inner sheet metal versus the outer sheet metal, take up a lot of space. So a YJ, the seating compartment of a YJ, is just as wide as the JL. There's, you know, there's no real difference. In fact, the YJ dash was a uh, half inch wider on either side hmm. than a JL. Not a lot of people would know that. Only people that are uh, making modifications. You know, um, right. you know, Greg, we need to figure out a way, and it sounds like you might be working towards this. We need to get, figure out a way to get you in the Jeep uh, mass production of uh, building Jeeps the way they should be built. <laughs> oh, I was, yeah, I, you know, if, if you've got a listener out there that has, that wants to spend 10 minutes on Google looking me up, and then wants to reach out and help me fund turning my shop, my little one-man shop, into a twenty-man shop. I'm all for it. <laughs> well, Elon Musk hasn't re- replied to me yet, but when he does, there's two things I'm going to talk him into: is that uh, working with you <laughs> and putting a Jeep Talk Show sticker on one of the starships. And, and unfortunately, he's going to have to pay for the sticker as well because I can't afford that thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, same thing. You know. Uh, I've got some stickers floating around for me and, uh, you know, I don't do, I don't sell retail or anything else, but um, I've got some stickers and if, if you want one, I'd be happy to send one to you. And I would be absolutely honored to put a talk show sticker on one of my walls so that when I do do this more YouTube stuff, people know what I listen to while I'm working on Jeeps. Oh, well, thank you very much. I'll, I'll uh, have to get one, uh, a good sized one for you. My wife actually does, uh, uh, that kind of stuff with the vinyl and things. So we'll have to see what we can do over here and get you a, uh, uh, like a 12 inch sticker. Uh, so it'll be nice and yeah. big. Yeah. Well, you know, and when I, when I start doing more, more of the YouTube stuff, you'll see, you know, the, the crazy guy in a kilt, welding on Jeeps <laughs> with, uh, it's, it's either some, some Scottish music in the background or the Jeep talk show, you know, cause the podcasts are, are great to listen to it. Oh, well, uh, thank you. It's That's just like, you know, I, li- I listen to you, and I listen to, uh, there's a couple other podcasts that I listen to, um, and one of my favorites, and I hate to say it, I'll go through uh, YouTube and find some uh, some Robin Williams comedy sketches or something else, and I'll play those in the background, because yeah. it's more entertaining, and it keeps your brain going more than listening to music. Oh, yeah. You know, listening yeah. to good conversation and commentary uh, really keeps the brain going. So listening to a great podcast like the Jeep, like the talk show is uh, definitely worth worth doing while you're working on your Jeep at home. Well, thank you. Oh, and before I forget, I've so much information. It's it's just fun to sit here and just listen. Uh, I did have a question, uh, and I'm sure it's common. Unofficial use only. Where did that come from? Uh, unofficial use only. So I was working for a corporate entity in the Jeep world. Uh, it was my first kind of deep job. Um, I worked at a company called uh, American Expedition Vehicles, which is AEG. Yeah. And I would build my own personal Jeep on my personal time. So, you know, at the end of the day, I'd pull my Jeep in and work on it. And I was on, it was my second or third personal Jeep build. um, And I think it was circa 2010. Um, I'd taken a Jeep and I cut it in half and I stretched it. Um, and then I put a 5.7 Hemi in it. And I had those a two inch lift and 37s, which at the time was unheard of because it was a TJ. Right? So you can't put 37s on something without a six inch lift back then. 
And when I was doing it, I, I loved this desert tan color. So I decided to paint it desert tan. And I was the 11th employee ever at AEV. So on the hood, instead of putting Rubicon or anything else, I did AEV-011 to signify I was the 11th employee. Um, and that looked like a mil- military designation. Yeah. So on the door, I, st- I was pulling up all the different military designations, and I found on these old willies and old uh, deuce and a halfs where they would do the military star, and underneath it they would put official use only. <laughs> if it was like a general's. Yeah. You know, if it, if it was the vehicle that drove around the general. So I started, I, I bought the stickers in the whole nine yards, and I was going to put the star and official use only on it um, to kind of go with the military theme of the build. And then I was pulled into the offices, and, this, you know, my Jeep was getting more attention than some of AEV built on their own forum. <laughs> so I was pulled into the office because somebody in the industry had sent me a part and it was somebody that I knew way before I knew AEV. And they had sent me a part, but they shipped it to work instead of my home address. Right. So I got pulled into the office and I got, you know, the, the CFO read me this riot act of how I can't get cheap parts you know, uh, sponsored, or I can't get deals on cheap parts because I work at AEV. And I explained, you know, I was like, well, I've known this guy 10 years longer than I've known you, you know, just because he sent it here. Like, well, you know, and they explained, and I understand the corporate aspect of it, that, um, you know, employees should not be taking favors from where he works. Sure. Because then if, it, if, if he works and needs a favor, it's a problem. Right. So... And, and I understand that, but he read me this big riot act and, you know, was very dismissive and, you know, kind of overbearing. He was talking to me like I was a teenager. And I was definitely not a teenager. So um, I listened to his spiel and, and I told him no problem. And then he told me that personal vehicles will no longer be used in advertising because up until that point, everybody's personal vehicle that was a Jeeper at the company their vehicles were typically used as uh, display vehicles. Yeah. And, which, okay, that's fine too. So I got it all done and I was very happy with the build. Um, And then a picture of mine ended up in one of AEV's advertisements (laughs) in the magazine. Oops. So, So they had taken a picture of me in Moab and posted it on in some magazines as an ad for AEV, but they photoshopped out my handmade bumper and put their own on it. Oh no! So, so at that point, I uh, I decided that unofficial use only was going to be the new name of my Jeep. So uh, it became unofficial use only, and that was the name of that build. And you know. Several years later, I, I worked for AEV for mul- many years after that incident, which wasn't a big deal. Uh, it's just fun, right? right I'm not right. not mad at the guy for pulling me into the office. I'm not mad at any of that, right? It's, it's just part of history. And I worked there for several years. Um, my son got hurt. I, I AEV bent over backwards to help me when my son got hurt, and. It just, after a couple of years, it, it became daunting and I was doing side jobs in my garage at home to, to make ends meet and cover medical bills and 
it just got to the point where, you know, driving an hour and 20 minutes to work every day oh, seems dumb. Um, and AEV and myself, we separated uh, amicably. They, they did right by me, and I will always do right by them. But um, for a little bit of time, I bounced around the industry. I, I went down to Florida and worked for a big company. Uh, you know, they hired me as their COO. Um, even Dave at Northridge, um, we were talking about opening a new building and I was going to run, you know, the shop and stuff. And, um, you know, I, I did that and I, I actually waited on Dave forever because I love Northridge and I love Dave. Um, I waited on that job for, for a really long time. And then finally I just decided, you know what, I'm going to, I've been tinkering in my garage. I might as well just start a little business and, I was kind of racking my brain over what I should call it. And that whole story came back to me and I was actually looking at a, I'd opened a magazine and that Jeep was on the cover of the JP magazine. And it said unofficial use only. And I was like, you know what? I do Jeeps and I do rat rods and I do motorcycles. I do all these things. So instead of pigeonholing my, my company into a Jeep name, why right. not call it unofficial use only? Cause I do a little bit of everything. Right. And it's fun. Right. I'm, I am, you know, you see me at SEMA or you see me at the shows and I'm the guy that I'm usually barefoot and in a kilt. So, <laughs> um, it's, I, I like to have fun. Um, I, I like to enjoy life. I like to enjoy these builds and what I do and having fun with it. So why not have a fun name that doesn't pigeonhole me into something specific? Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds no, me of... There's, uh, a, there's a really long answer for your very short question. No, no, that's fine. Uh, it's very interesting. It's, it's kind of like the, the movie, uh, there's a production company or something that says work, working title only. And when I see that, I think about the unofficial use only. It's just kind of like a, uh, almost like a placeholder type thing. It's kind of, uh, it's, it's cool. It's a cool name. So uh, it's always stuck yeah. out to me. I did have a question about your, your kilt. Is that uh, just a way to keep the jock itch at, uh, at bay? Um, <laughs> it does do that, 100%. No, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm Scottish. Uh, I'm a Henderson. And when I, was, when I was a kid and we did, you know, the family functions and stuff, you would see a lot of people, you know, everybody's in the Henderson Tartan, and, and we had fun with that. Mm-hmm. And... So I grew up around kilts. It never bothered me. And I don't remember when, you know, when exactly in my adult life, I, I really started wearing kilts. I wore, I wore them when I was younger. Um, and then when I became a, an early adult, in fact, when I started working at AEV, um, I was told I wasn't allowed to wear a kilt to work. <laughs> That's just, which, <laughs> well, that would not go very well now. <laughs> Well, no, and, you know, this is circa 2006, 2007. Um, and, you know, even then, I was like, well, that's a, it's kind of a cultural thing. You can't really tell me no. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I wasn't going to push the issue. And so when I, you know, kind of when I started my own thing, I remember, I, I forget the first show it was, but, you know, I go to a lot of Jeep shows, and I went to a Jeep show, and I wore a kilt, and it just kind of stuck. Um, you know, I... I I've worn them in the past. I've worn them, you know, in the future, and I, I like to kill. There is no jock itch. There's no swamp ass. There's no <laughs> chafing, right? It's, 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 there's even a kilt company, and I think part of their slogan is free yourself from pants prison. Um, 
it's it's a whole new world and and they are extremely comfortable and extremely versatile and in today's world you can get so many styles you know you can get tactic kilts and you can get um, work kilts and all these different kilts but it's um it's really comfortable like obnoxiously comfortable you oh, yeah. it, you have to wear one to to realize how comfortable it is um and it even doesn't it doesn't matter what the temperature is um you know, we were we were filming that TV show with Courtney at King of the Hammers, and I mean, it was 25 degrees and big wind. Oh my! And God. everybody's like, everybody keeps asking, "How can you wear a kilt?" And I'm like, "It's four yards of wool, right? It's you wear the right kilt for the right occasion. Sure. You don't wear a tactic kilt, which is very very thin when it's cold out. You wear a wool kilt, and with the tall socks, it's really not cold at all." Um, I'm sorry. I mean, occasionally there's a there's a sock that you wear too. Um, well, there's there's socks, so they're, they're actually. <laughs> oh, I misunderstood. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no. Your socks are the traditional term is hose, like like pantyhose, but just hose. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The socks so, for your feet. I got you. Those are the really tall socks that pull up to about your knee, and usually you put your knife in them. Um, yeah. And you need a knife because so you're, you're wearing a kilt. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you need you need several, but it's um, it's it's liberating. It's fun. Um, lots of people comment on it. Oh yeah, and, great conversation starter. It, it just reminds oh, me of so, it just reminds me of the Seinfeld uh, that Seinfeld line, like a frightened little turtle. <laughs> Twenty five degrees yeah, out. Well, <laughs> well, I'll tell you if you're not married, and I'm married, and I love my wife dearly, but um, if you're not married, it is a great bar trick too. <laughs> Because because as soon as they're drunk, they want to know what's under that. Oh, kilt. absolutely! And if, <laughs> if you're wearing underwear, it's a skirt, not a kilt. So, um, yeah, yeah. But I, it, I've heard that it, if, it's if, you're, if it's traditional, you're not wearing underwear. Uh, I'm I'm a Scottish Irish, so I uh, I fight myself whenever I drink, so I don't drink. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's uh it, it it's very comfortable. It's very liberating. It is a conversation starter. And, you know, I mentioned earlier on the podcast that, you know, like at SEMA, I was the crazy guy in a kilt with no shoes on. <laughs> um, and, and I do that, too. I, I hate shoes. Um, I, I wear flip-flops. Most people will tell you I'm always in flip-flops. I'm not quite as bad as Rick Payway, who's always in sandals. But um, <laughs> I hate sh- shoes. Uh, they just bug me. And after, when you're on your feet, like at SEMA, you're on your feet for days. And yeah. you might walk 20 to 30 miles a day at SEMA. And um, your feet start to get really sore. And I learned a long time ago that if you take your shoes and socks off and you walk around barefoot for a little bit, your feet aren't sore anymore because that's how your feet were designed to work. Yep. So uh, day two or three of SEMA, when your feet start really hurting, I just kick the flip flops off and walk around barefoot, and that even gets more attention. Oh, I know. I could just imagine. <laughs> well, Greg, we we would be here for hours, so I'm going to have to beg you to to say that you'll come back and talk to us again. Very interesting oh, conversation. And, I, and anytime you want, I am a I'm a wealth of useless information. Oh, um, and, and so and are I like we. To talk, so we're the same <laughs> way. So it's a match made in heaven. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, and I have. Um, I do special guests every once in a while, too, if you're ever really interested. Um, some of the original Lunatic Fringe guys, some of the guys that were the Lunatic Fringe Society at Chrysler, um, 
they come and hang out at my shop. So <laughs> if, if they're ever here and doing, uh, you know, sitting around the, the fire bullshitting and telling old, old Jeep stories from the seventies and eighties, and you want to you know, capture some of that, I'll make sure I, I entertain your, your crowd with those guys too. Oh, that's anytime, wonderful. Any, anytime you're interested, um, just give me a call, give me a text, shoot me smoke signals, whatever you want. Um, I love listening to your show. So being a part of it for the first time, finally, after years of trying, yep. um, I was super honored. Thank you so much for bringing me on. And, uh, anytime, anytime well, at all. I'm just happy to hear that you've actually heard the show. So many people go, how long have you been doing? It's a 10 years. Really? I've never heard of the show. <laughs> yeah. I know. I think, um, <laughs> so I was, I was talking to another group and I know we're trying to cut this short, but, uh, I was talking to another podcast. Uh, they're called, uh, between two fur or between two Jeeps. Oh, I like um, that. And, I, I, <laughs> and they, those guys were actually here this weekend helping me cut wood because they're, they're from uh, Ohio, which isn't very far away. But uh-huh. um, we were talking about you and, you know, they listen to you. They like you. So um, it, it was, it was a fun conversation and they're like, yeah, you know, he's, he's the number one Jeep talk show in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's lies. Yeah. Cause <laughs> Because they're all excited that, you know, I think they looked at their ratings and they're like number five. Um, I think it's five or six or something like that. Or uh-huh. they were at one point. Yeah. And so I told them, I, I was like, yeah, I was, was going to do Tony's tomorrow. Because they were here yesterday. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do Tony's tomorrow and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, we can't wait to listen to it. So, um, yeah, anytime. Um, I've, I've been a big fan of your talk show and, and the podcast for a long time. And I'm glad that we finally made it work. Uh, but honestly, anytime, uh, That's anytime great. you need I, and I, fill I, in. I got to tell you, I'm so honored. I, I really didn't think that you'd ever heard the show before because that's what we get all the time. And I really appreciate it. Uh, so, uh, we're oh gonna, yeah, I brought up I brought up some rock sort content, and I brought up yes. Dave, you know, Dave, and from Northridge. I mean, I, I listen. <laughs> you know, I'll mention. This. I know those are newer ones, but yeah, I, I'll mention this about Dave. Uh, my uh, take on Dave, and I, I told our. Uh, our uh, discord server audience uh that he is just such a real person he's just somebody that you would not expect to be the in charge of a company and i mean that in a good way that he just you can tell that he really cares about his people down to earth and such a good guy and such a good family man um I, I can't say enough good things about Dave. He's, well, he's really good people. When I when I saw that he was building TJ bumpers in his dad's <laughs> his dad garage, I went, "This is a jeeper. This is this is a real jeeper." Yep. And he's and he made a success at it, which is not jeeping, really jeeper related. You guys are you guys are the uh, the weirdos because you're actually being a success at jeeping. <laughs> so, who, who, no, no, no. He is successful. I'm a schmuck in my garage who oh. can't afford shoes and has to walk around barefoot. The, the, um, but the jock I'm, itch problem, remember, you've solved that and that alone. No, but, well, I, I, but I, seriously, I you, the stuff that you build is just absolutely gorgeous, and I enjoy seeing it, and I was uh, really I happy. Just, I just need to learn how to charge appropriately for yes, it. Yes, yes. Well, you, you, you would be keeping it. Now, oh, real quick, you, you, don't, <laughs> you don't have the path killer anymore, do you? Um, no, I never owned path killer. Um, so the, uh, there's a gentleman, right. his, name, his name is also Dave. Um, he owns Path Killer and has since day one. Um, and it's funny, he has, he's, he's actively trying to sell it. He's just so far removed from the Jeep community that people don't really understand it's for sale. Um, 
Man, that's really And he's cool. selling it for he's selling it for way less than the cost of the parts. Um, yeah, that's which is funny. I think I think he wants fifty grand for it, and I mean there was forty five grand just in aftermarket parts before any any labor or paint or anything else. So, yeah. Um, it's it's a great build. I I know it still has really low miles, um, but I don't have fifty grand to buy a Jeep. Otherwise, I'd buy it back. I'd buy all the Jeeps I built back. Yeah, but that's I the way I am. That. I tell people don't sell your Jeep because you'll say, "Hey, I'm selling my my XJ, my whatever," and I'll say, "Don't sell your Jeep. You're gonna regret it when you do." And I don't know that yeah. I could let it loose if I put that much time and effort into it. I mean, I know that's the job, but it's just so, I mean, it's one thing just doing bolt-on modifications and making it yours. I just can't imagine, you know, bending metal and shaping stuff and uh, and, and then letting it go. So, well, anyway, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry, Greg. Well, will... Another one, Path Killer, just, just one last little clip on Path Killer. Uh-huh. Um, if you look at pictures of that, so if you Google it and really find pictures of it, you'll notice that the seats in that, um, I had Roadwire Leather do those seats, but the center part of all the seats is the Henderson tartan. So that's actually my kilt tartan oh, in the seats. Yeah. Neat. Oh. <laughs> uh, and I would assume this wasn't a kilt that you wore. It's uh, So it's okay. It's, somebody's going to catch anything. Yeah, no, that wasn't one that I ever wore. <laughs> <laughs> And Greg, if you ever need a place to come back to be insulted on, you know where you can go. <laughs> oh, no problem. <laughs> well, Greg, thanks so much. And guys, you got to go over and check out the Instagram, uh, the Facebook. Uh, if you don't know about uh, Greg Henderson and all the beautiful builds that he's done over the years, uh, unofficial use only, just do a search for that. Go and find out what I've been uh, oohing and on about for many, many years. And I'm so glad we finally got Greg here on the show. And I promise you, Greg, I want to have you back. It's just, I mean, we do a 20-minute interview, and now we're at an hour. It's just so much fun listening to all the stuff that you have to talk about. Uh, oh, I can go, I can go for hours. It, it, <laughs> I, I, people keep telling me that I should just do a podcast and just talk while I work. Well, you wouldn't um, get anything done I, I, I if you were doing podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have the time for, you know, I, I don't know how to set it all up. I'm bad enough with my social media. So um, I'm, it's, it's much better to get on a, a wonderful podcast like yours and, and just talk to you and your listeners for a little bit and, you know, field questions and have fun with it than try and set it up myself. I, I'm really good at building Jeeps and I'm really good at talking, but I don't have the I don't have the wherewithal to do all the computery stuff. So, uh, if you ever decide that you do want to do a podcast, I'll be more than happy to to give you my, the information that I've uh, gathered over the years and how to set up the audio and stuff. It's it's not that expensive and it's not very difficult. No, I know. I, I was actually part of uh, Gone Jeepin, which is um, Gone Jeepin is a, a list of. Some pretty well-known Jeep people. In fact, if, if you want to get in touch with any of them, you just let me know. But, you know, it's Chris Collard, who's in the Portal Drive Hall of Fame. It's Rick Payway. It's Stuart Bordine. It's Tracy Clark. Um, uh, Michael Harrington. Um, Liam Lafferty. So there's, there's this big group of people that were involved in the industry for forever. Um, you know, ran all the magazines, everything else. And they started a little media outlet called Von Jeepin just over a year ago. Um, and I was honored that they asked me to be part of it. So I'm part of that. And we've done a few podcasts, but, you know, 
basically I just have to answer the phone and talk. I don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's no editing or anything else. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but it's, uh, I, I'll tell you, it's, it's definitely a worthwhile thing. And I found, and this is for all of your listeners, um, if you're in the shop working on something and, and everybody should get out in the shop and work on their own rig a little bit because it, it just, it makes you intimate with your own vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of turning on music and instead of turning on the radio, just stream all of these podcasts. Start with, with Tony and start with the, the Jeep Talk Show. Listen to every single one, uh, which will take you a year anyway. <laughs> and then uh, branch out to all the other ones because there's so much good content. And it does. It, it keeps the neurons in your brain firing and it keeps you you know hip and going. And, and you'll learn a few things. Yeah, exactly. I've always loved talk radio from years ago i love talk radio so when i had an opportunity to do the podcast that I, I was just kind of fulfilling the thing that i enjoyed so much and and and, and just well, because yeah, you, you it, know you, it, you've got a you, you've got the right voice for it and uh well, you. you've got a, a face for radio i was going to so say that it just goes hand in hand <laughs> So, and, and also, too, I, I like to say, we don't mind anybody listening to other podcasts. I mean, you listen to the Jeep Talk Show one day, there's lots of more hours in that day that you're going to be listening to other podcasts. And uh, we, we certainly recommend that because you're going to hear something a little different from everybody. And that just makes it fun. Greg, I want to thank oh, you again. I want to thank you again before we get into hour two. And I, I will be in contact. <laughs> I will be in contact with you. Uh, and uh, you're saying text messages or a phone call are better than email, right? Um, yeah. If you want to get a hold of me, um, my my number is public. But uh, for you, yes, um, just just call myself. Okay. Um, and for for any of your listeners, if you desperately need to get a hold of me or you want me to build something cool. Same thing. Um, my number is public. You can find it on my Facebook and some other places. But um, calling me is a thousand percent better than sending me a message on any social media or a text message. Because well, that makes sense. If my phone rings. It rings. It rings right in my head because I wear a headset all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm not on the phone, I answer. If I'm on the phone, call me back because I get probably thirty to fifty phone calls a day. Oh wow. So, yeah, I would, um, I'd like to know. pick your brain as far as getting other guests on the show. Some of the people that you've mentioned, some of the people that you've worked with, I uh, would love to get some of those folks on the show. And uh, uh, we, we love doing interviews, especially like yours, because people, uh, our listeners, love hearing this stuff. It's so Jeep-related. It's so intense, and it's just exciting. I know I, I've had a blast. So, Greg, thank you, thank you a hey, lot. We're going to wrap anytime. it up. And uh, have a great night. Um, but yeah, anytime. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come on your show. And uh, I hope it's not the last time. Well, I got to give a big thanks again to Greg Henderson from Unofficial Use Only for taking the time to talk about, well, what has to be one of the best jobs on the planet. Seriously, Greg, thanks for your time and for all the kilt talk. Probably need some mind bleed. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> I'm kidding. And of course, you, the listener, should be sure to find unofficial use only on their social media sites and follow, like, and subscribe. And of course, hey, if you have an idea for a guest, we want to hear what you have to say. Maybe you work in the off-road industry. Maybe you just know somebody who does. Maybe you yourself would like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. Everybody's got a Jeep story, right? We want to hear yours. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your idea for our next great guest. It could be you.
Coming up next week, Steve from Power Tank. Another great interview and just amazing. Uh, a man who started something from the ground up and it is successful. I think that's every every person's dream is to start a start a business and have it be successful, and then you wind up uh, uh, fulfilling people's lives with jobs and uh, giving them Christmas and things to do. It's just a wonderful story. And compressed gas too. Can't oh, forget God. that. Yes, I mean anything with gas. Yeah, I'm right there. Don't I know it? What <laughs> <laughs> you do now? <laughs> hey, don't forget, Jeeper, it's very easy to sign up for our newsletter. It's where you can get all the best information as far as what's going in on or what's going on the show behind the scenes, some uh, some inside information about uh, uh, some upcoming giveaways, interviews, all that sort of stuff, and how you can join in on the show for our campfire side chat. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, and you're going to find a link to click and sign up. Don't worry. It's just as easy to unsubscribe as it is to subscribe. Well, that's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to find us on all our social media sites. I bet you can't find them all. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Warning. If you choke on your own spit and die while listening to the Jeep talk show, this is natural selection. The JTS staff will not be held responsible. Thank goodness. Podcasting since 2010.